Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church. To find out more about the Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Well, good morning. Come on, it's good to see you. Are you guys ready for Thanksgiving yet? Have you done all the shopping and everything is prepared for the big feast you're about to have? Everybody got everything done? Hopefully you went to Costco before this week because this week is going to be a nightmare. And I wish that upon no one. Uh, last holiday season, I went to Costco and we were in like a four-car pileup right in the main aisle. It was bad. We're still, our insurance is fighting over that one. So pray for us. But no one, no one, no laughter. Man, I'm excited. Today's going to be fun. I, I actually just wanted to kind of lighten the mood here today and have, have some fun in the journey. In fact, that's the title of my message. But before I dive into that, I do want to just say a couple of things that I feel are just pivotal right now. And that is that we're right in the middle of a, a, a campaign we call Give Hope. Everybody say, Give Hope. Now say it like you mean it. Say, Give Hope. And uh, this is a 21-day journey where we're actually being active at bringing hope to our community. And so there's a lot of ways you can jump on board. Uh, one of them is that you can actually follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You, there's some stuff on the way out today, a card that's got all the information on it. And, and we just want to challenge you. Our pastoral team, our leadership team, we're all in this 21-day journey just saying, hey, Let's be praying specifically for the children and people in our world and the, those that are broken, and those that are going into holidays really a little bit nervous and maybe filled with anxiety because they got to be around that crazy aunt or that crazy uncle again. And so there's so many things that are unknown. But also, uh, we got these really cool invite cards too that I'm, I'm asking that you guys pick up a stack of these today on your way out and, and not just invite but bring some friends with you over the next few weeks to the movement church. Why? Because there's something about the holiday season that people start going, you know what, I need to get some things in my life in order. i got to get some things in gear. I mean, I, I'm a little bit uh, in this place I don't necessarily want to be, and so this is a great opportunity to invite and bring our friends. But here's something else we can do with this, and this is one of our favorite things to do in the holiday season, is we'll take these guys and pay it forward. In the Starbucks line, buy the coffee, the person in front of you or behind you. Make sure you check the tab before you offer to do that. If they're buying coffee for their whole work, you may want to wait for the next person. And uh, or maybe groceries at a grocery store or just something to say, hey, I want you to know there's still hope in the world. How many of you know we could use a little more hope in our world today, right? But listen, we could talk about this to our blue in the face, but it's one thing to talk about, another thing to actually do it. So I want to challenge you, jump on board. And this is all culminating for our move into our new facility, which is El Toro High School. Somebody clap for me. We're just a few weeks away from moving in. And on day one there, which is December 3rd, we're going to take a Give Hope offering. And we do this every year. And we gear all of the funds that come in to the children in our world who need hope. So here's the three areas we focus on. Number one, we focus on some local families whose children are probably not going to get Christmas gifts because they're extremely below the poverty line. And, and so we find out we're working right now with schools all over South Orange County, this one included, and we're finding out, hey, who are the families that need some hope this year? And, and we buy them a ton of gifts and then take it to them the week of Christmas, give them wrapping paper and the whole nine so that their mom and dad and, or whomever, the caretaker, can actually wrap those gifts and put them under the tree. And so some of these people we'll never see. 
But that's kind of the cool thing about giving hope. We also really focus in on the kids who call the Movement Church home. We don't babysit your kids. We're inspiring them to live a Christ-centered life. Now, you heard Pastor Joe uh, whistling because he's the greatest children's pastor on the planet. Can we give him a hand? Come on. You can't clap for yourself, Pastor Joe. And I notice you have a mustache, which means Katie's out of town. So y'all pray for him. Hopefully that's shaved by the end of the week. But uh, we want to do everything we can to make sure our kids here are inspired and got everything that they need to know on Sunday there is a team of people who believe wholeheartedly in them. My life was changed. I'll tell you about this in a little bit. When I was just a young kid in, in first grade, maybe a little bit earlier than that. And then finally, we're going to do a Christmas party for our feeding site in Swaziland. Now, our building's almost built. I've got a couple pictures coming in the weeks to come so you can see it's pretty cool. 450 kids eat a one warm meal a day because of this church, and many of you sponsor those kids. Hey, that's where the hand clap. Come on. And uh, and here's the cool part: we're gonna do a Christmas party, and we do inflatables where there's no electricity, so we bring, they rent them and get these in, these generators out there, and they do a slip and slide, and then we do gifts for all the kids. And here's the crazy thing: that all the kids know that there's a Christmas party coming. It's the only gifts they get all year, and you know what they ask for? They ask for socks and undergarments because that's what they need. Talk about kids, not toys, not coloring books, not stickers, undergarments. And so there's a great need here, and we get to be a part of that. So here's what I'd ask. We don't ever ask you to give. We'd ask you to pray to say, God, what would you have me give? This is over the tithe, over the 10%. And that'll be December 3rd, our first week in El Toro. And I just say, hey, God, what do you want us to do? And then just be obedient. And then we're going to do everything we can to impact some kids. So on your way out, grab these things, and let's give a little bit of hope. Turn to your neighbor and say, give hope. Turn to your second choice and say, eh, not so much. Well, we're going to dive in here in a moment. If you want to follow along, you can text the word notes to the number on the screen. And we use this text service because you use your phone for everything. So we thought, why don't we give you a resource that is literally in the palm of your hands. You can text the word notes to the number will be on the screen. And if you haven't saved that already, get with the program. We use it all the time. Save that, and we'll use it a little bit later in service. But let's pray. Can we do that? Everybody, before we pray... Everybody look at me and just give me a big, goofy, cheesy smile, really big. Oh, so good. Some of y'all are goofier than others. Okay, now would you bow your heads? Let's pray. Let's dive in. God, we just thank you for an amazing day. What a privilege it is to be able to come to the house of God and just worship together and, and really just kind of expect and hope to see and experience something different today. God, we don't want the same thing we've always had. We want to experience the miraculous We've already had enough mundane and mediocre to last a lifetime, but now, God, we want to see you move in a powerful way. So I pray today, you'd, today, God, you'd open our hearts and really help us to do that, our hearts and our ears to hear and receive whatever it is you want to do. God, we just we want to have some fun today, but we really want to leave here changed. We don't want to leave here the same. We want a little bit extra, a little something, something from you, God. So you do what only you can do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Well, I just kind of want to do something a little bit different today. I wanted to have some fun. We just came out of a great series called The Monster Inside Me, and it was kind of a heavy series, and, and we did that on purpose. So I want to encourage you, if you weren't here, you need to go back and get the podcast. If you don't know what a podcast is, we're praying for you. But no, I'm kidding. Go check that out. Download the podcast. It'll be worth it. So I wanted to kind of bring a little levity to the environment, a little more uh, fun to today, and, and really kind of kind of maybe frame this up and tee this up as we get ready to go into Thanksgiving. And I think it's imperative as 
people that we actually don't just look at Thanksgiving as a day where we cook a lot of food that we would not normally eat and then have a food or a turkey hangover for like three days and then make sandwiches with leftover turkey and then if some of you, you know, eat that cranberry sauce, we're praying for you. There's a prayer service specifically for you after today. But, I mean, it would be just a tragedy. Anybody eat cranberry sauce? Wow, what is wrong with you people? Oh, man. I mean, you ever notice you just poured out of a can, and it looks like a log. And you're like, I make it by myself. Well, congratulations, it's horrible. And so, anyways, I just, I would hate for us to go into Thanksgiving and just eat some great food and set a, a great tablescape and spend time with the family and then watch, of course, the Cowboys play. And I would hate for you to do that and not actually be or take a moment to be grateful. And I, I notice that as we get into this journey, a lot of times, depending on what your faith journey or just life is like, it's hard sometimes to find things to be grateful for. And I think that's really because we don't do a good job of looking for and cataloging and writing down the goodness and the faithfulness of God. And there's one thing that you need to know is that right now, look at me in the eyes, right now God is actively at work in your life. It's not based on because I believe that, it's not because I'm a pastor, it's because that's who God is. So regardless of your faith journey to get here, even if you're here and you say, I'm not even sure what I believe, well, can I just tell you, permission to belong before you believe, you still need to know that God is actively at work in your life right now. And the scripture would support that in John chapter 5 verse 17, check this out, it says this, this is Jesus talking, he said, my father is always at his work to, to this very day, look at this, and I too am working. And the verse goes on as he begins to unpack on what he's working on in your life and in mine, and that word work it, it really has multiple meanings in the original Greek, which is what this verse was actually originally written in. That word work means to buy and sell. And we know this now as we rewind the story that Jesus bought the price of sin and the punishment of sin for all mankind. But it goes on to talk about continuing to do a work in people. And then it brings up this really cool illustration, and that is that it means that he's collaborating with us. Not just doing a work in us, but wants to do a work through us. And 1 Corinthians 3, 9, 9 would, re, would reiterate that when Jesus said, for, or Paul said, for we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. It sounds a lot like a crane building a crane to build a building, but that's another sermon. In other words, God not only is doing a work in us, he's doing a work through us. God is actively right now at work in your life. And everybody actually wants to know this. Atheist, Christian, doesn't matter. Everybody on this planet would love to know that there is a quote-unquote higher being at work in my life. No matter what, we would just love to know, man, is, is there something out there? And is he working on my life or doing something for my life? But often we don't see it because it's in the rearview mirror that it becomes more obvious. As we look back through our life, all of you could probably identify one or two or three times where it was obvious God was at work. I should have ended up in jail or I should have ended up with this person or with that man, but God was at work. How many of your husbands should probably be in jail right now? Would you raise? No, don't raise your hand. You, Jim, you are the husband. You can't raise your hand. We know that about you. But anyway, so God is actively at work in our life, and we don't see it because it's in the rearview mirror, but we're looking right now or towards the future or 
can I just push pause for a moment? I think sometimes we don't see God actively at work in our life because we've put God into a box. And when he doesn't work on our terms and how we want him to and when we want him to, we say he isn't working. But that's not the way that God works. And so what I wanted to do is take you on a journey. Every year at Thanksgiving, Megan and I begin to rehearse the goodness and the faithfulness of God. Not because we want to just, actually, let me tell you why. Because it's so easy to see the challenges. Can I get an amen from some real people out there? Okay, amen just means I agree. And so I want to just take you on a journey. Can we do that today? And I've got a timeline for you. I want to tell you a few stories. This past week in my Connect group, I was sharing some of these stories that I, I, I know because I tell them all the time, but it's been a long time since people have heard them. I thought, you know what, I think people should hear this. So can we go on a journey through my life for a moment just to see the faithfulness of God? Is that cool? Everybody just say yes to pretend because you don't have an option. I'm going to do this. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the year was 1985. How many of you were alive in 1985? Okay, some of you. 1985, and I was not born in 1985, but I was definitely alive. I was five years old at this time. The price of a gallon of gas was a dollar and nine cents. How many of you remember those wonderful days? There was a point when I first got my driver's license that it was 88 cents a gallon. Can any of you remember it being cheaper than that? Anyone? All right, we've got a few hands. A pound of bacon was a buck 65. Now, I don't know why in 1985 we were eating a pound of bacon, but apparently... We were. The average price of a home was $100,000. That's in Orange County. And now the average price of, well, you know the average price. Of a, that's why you're crying right now. And in that same year, Nintendo released this thing that would doom men to live in the abasements of their parents until their mid-30s. The NES was released. Anybody remember the original Nintendo? Yes, you do. The greatest basketball player of all time, Penny Hardaway. No, not Penny. I'm kidding. Michael Jordan. Anybody here still think he's the greatest basketball player? Thank you so much. Was named Rookie of the Year. I did put a picture up with him with Magic Johnson just for you Lakers fans. I just want to remind you. And then, of course, our friend Marty McFly was working diligently to help Doc Brown. Can somebody help me? What was he trying to do? Get back to the, that was a tr not a trick question, guys. I feel like we need to do some pop culture references. Get back to the future. 1985 is when this was released. My parents were driving a Dodge Good Times van, actually Chevy, but it was Dodge. It looked a lot like that guy right there. And on the inside of this van, <laughs> yeah, was wall-to-wall -wall carpet, and that couch in the back laid down to make a bed, which did not have seat belts in it. I don't know how I'm still alive, and my family was on a trip, literally from Dallas to Disney World, In this, it looked just, this is the creepiest looking van you have ever seen, and my parents drove this, and we were on our way from Dallas to Orlando, going to Disney World, the, the big one, not Disneyland, Disney World, on Interstate 10. And on Interstate 10, through the grossest state in the Union, which is Louisiana, sorry, I'm, I've lived there at one point, I feel like I have the right to say that. <clears throat> Moving on. There's a long stretch of a bridge that's literally almost 30 miles long, and, and I don't know why I remember this, but I'm five years old at this point. And in this moment, I literally had a conversation with God at about 10.30 at night, laying on this sleeper sofa, where if we had gotten in an accident... 
I would have been dead. Like there would be nothing that would have saved me at that point. And I was five, and I don't know why. But I looked out the window seeing the stars, and I, this is a true story. And I said, God, what do you want me to be when I get older? I don't know why I asked that question or why I was in tune with what he was doing. And, and I'll never forget in an audible way to, to maybe only a five-year-old. You can try to prove that that doesn't happen, but it won't change the way that I feel. God said, I've called you to be a missionary. And it was so real that it was like a seal on my life. And I was convinced that from that day forward, I would be a missionary in Africa, which is a huge reason why we have a feeding site in Africa today. And what God was doing there in that moment is he was giving me a glimpse of his calling, even at an early age. And I want to encourage you today. Look at me in the eyes for a moment. God is always calling. And he's calling you today. Maybe you have a moment where you can remember something like this, where God sealed something in your heart. It doesn't have to be about your calling for the future. It doesn't have to be. It could have just be that God just, just reached in and in a real way said, I love you. But look at me right here in the eyes. I want you to know that right here, right now, God's calling to you. It may be the reason why you're here. And maybe for some of us, it's just to remember a calling. It was a big year for me, and God sealed that in my life. One of the first moments that I can remember. So let's fast forward a little bit. Can we do that? To the year 1997. Anybody? Anybody need some 1997 in their life right now? Some of you guys graduated college at this point. Some of you graduated high school. Some of you were not born. Some of you were retiring at this point. We're praying for you too, but it doesn't matter. 1997. That was a good year, wasn't it, ladies and gentlemen? It was the same year that Mike Tyson was fighting a guy named Evander Holyfield. Anybody remember this? And he decided he was a little bit hungry, and so he nibbled on Holyfield's ear. This is also the same year, I don't know if you remember this, where Princess Di was in a tragic car accident. Do you remember where you were when you found out that news? How many of you remember how old you were? Remember where you were when she got married and you watched on TV? Raise your hand, don't lie. Thank you, some of you, I appreciate it. This is also the same year that Tiger Woods becomes the first man to win a Masters at the age of 21, and that was the last time anybody talked about him, it seems like. And it was the same year that this next guy was shot and killed. Anybody know this dude right here? Notorious B.I.G. Some of you don't, don't, that's okay. I was showing my daughter this, and she asked, who is this blonde girl with the earring? And then she said, isn't that Notorious B.I.G.? I go, how do you know I have failed as a parent, I have failed as a parent. He's a famous rapper. For Some of y'all are like, I actually have no clue who this gentleman is. He is no longer alive. And I think probably more important at that time was the greatest and the biggest movie of the year. Does anybody know what the biggest movie of the year was? Anyone? Titanic, ladies and gentlemen, if you said, I won, I've got this thing down, Titanic. Now listen, don't lie, how many of you actually saw this movie in the movie theater? Would you raise your hand? How many of you have watched it at least five times? Keep your hand up, don't lie, thank you. It is still, it is still a good movie. In fact, I think we may have a little bit of Celine Dion for you, but I'm not positive. The biggest movie of the year, it was also the year that Megan and I started dating. Aww. She was a senior in college, and I was in junior high, and so we just were like, let's do this thing. And I was like, I think we might get arrested, and she said, don't worry, it's going to be okay. No, she was a senior in high school. I was a sophomore. Come on, somebody hand clap for this guy right here. Yes. 
So you can fast forward now. I mean, this is a, a long time later in my life, and, and I just still was leaning into who God was. And I remember being at a summer camp. How many of you ever went to a church summer camp? Man, that shaped my life. That's why we send our teenagers to them every year. And we were at this place called Youth America in Oklahoma City. And the campground literally was the worst campground in the history of campgrounds. But some reason that makes it better, doesn't it? And there was this service, uh, and I don't even remember who preached the guy who did worship. His name was Danny Chambers. He's an old school, just awesome dude. And the service was over. And, and God was still there in a tangible way. And I sat in the back of the room, and I just was like, God, am, are you calling me to be a missionary to Africa? So now I'm, I'm at the 10th, 11th grade, somewhere in that neighborhood. I forget exactly, and I feel like I'm supposed to work with teenagers here, and, but I'll do whatever you want me to do. He said, I've called you to be a missionary to your generation. It was audible again. I don't know if it, you could hear it, but it, I could feel that moment, like, I can tell you where I, I could take you right now to that church and sit on that row and tell you this is when God brought some clarity to my life. He was bringing clarif- clarity to the journey that I was on. And look at me in the eyes. God will bring the right amount of clarity to your journey too. Now, he never, he never brings the full clarity. Like Advil, if you got a headache, a couple of Advil are good for you. But if you take the whole bottle, my friends, and that's the way that God works with us. He'll never give you the fullness of the clarity of his plan for you. Why? Because you can't handle it. Neither can I. But he brought some clarity and it shifted the trajectory of my life and I stopped pursuing being a missionary and I began to pursue being a youth pastor, which led us to this place that we are today. And then in 2001, we won't have any more music for you. I'm sorry, guys. That was it for the sake of time. In 2001, fast forward a few more years. It was the year that I got married. And this was a year where I experienced the greatest expression of grace that I've ever experienced in my life. Look at me for just a moment in the eyes. I'm not talking about grace that you talk about. I'm not talking about the name of the girl that lived down the street from your house. And I'm not talking about a song that you sing but you forget the lyrics to. I'm talking about when grace becomes so real because you receive forgiveness and grace in a way that you don't deserve. And what God was doing was revealing his heart to me. And look at me in the eyes. His heart is always filled with grace. His heart for you is always filled with grace. Then in 2006, in the spring, God kind of dropped this idea in my heart, in my wife's heart, like maybe we should start a church and maybe in California. Nobody was just starting churches. They didn't call it church planting. They just called it start a church. And we just got this idea. We'd never been to California by that point, ever. We're 26 years old, and we're in ministry, and we had this glimpse into the bigness of God, into the bigness of how huge God really is. And often you and I need to be reminded of how small our imagination can become because we have a big God. In fact, I just heard a statement by a great pastor on Monday. Listen to this. And in fact, I've got it on the screen for you. The devil is a headhunter. His battlefield is your mind, and your imagination and energy are his trophies. People are trying to take pictures, leave that up for them. (laughs) The devil is a headhunter. His battlefield is your mind, and your imagination and energy are his trophies. In other words, what the enemy does is he comes in, 
in the crafty way and unique way, watch me, Michael, that only he can, and he knows exactly what it is that we struggle with and what we've walked through and the challenges that we have, and he just comes in and whispers just sweet little lies. Hey, it's probably not going to work out. You've had faith, but man, I hate, I hate that you put your hope in that. You've been let down before, haven't you? And then this battle ensues in our mind, and we begin to believe those lies, and then now we no longer have an imagination of what's possible. We just spit into the rut of the mundane. And so God often wants to remind you that he's a big God. He's a big God. In fact, there's a scripture that will be on the screen behind me, Ephesians 3.20. And this is Jesus. Now to him who is able to do, what's that word? Immeasurably more than all we ask him. What's that word? Imagine. And God was just reminding me, hey, I still have big plans for you. For 2006, man, I'm thinking this is it. We're going to go plant the church. And that was in the spring. And then all of a sudden, in August of 2006, I wake up at 3.10 a.m. And I push away from my pillow. And I have this dream. And I wake up my wife. I say, hey, I just had this dream that Pastor David Wright in Arizona called Pastor Lawrence Kennedy in Dallas. This is the guy I worked for. He looks kind of like Santa Claus, but angrier he's not. So I lived, we lived in Dallas and worked for this man. And in August of 2006, I had a dream that this guy, who was a friend of all of ours, called this guy and said, hey, I would like to ask Carrie to come out and be our youth pastor in Phoenix. 3.10 a.m. in August, I push back to my pillow. I wake up my wife and I say, could you do that? And she said, it would have to be God because Phoenix is 100 in hell and I love Dallas. <laughs> I went in to talk to my pastor about a month later and I said, I got to talk to you about a couple of things. Number one, I think... God is calling us to start a church. And number two, I had this weird dream that David Wright called you and asked us to be his youth pastors. Remember, I was headed to California to start a church. And he looked at me and he said, are you lying to me? I said, no, sir. Did you really have that dream? I said, yes, sir. Are you lying to me? I said, no, sir. Did you talk to David? No, sir. He said, he called me in April. And asked for you to come out and be his youth pastor. I guess God was trying to do something in it. Within a week, we had our home on the market. Within a month, it had sold. Within three months, we moved a few hundred miles away. All because God leaned in to speak. You tracking with me? And what God was doing was letting me know that his timing is perfect. I thought we would plant the church, but his timing was perfect. And his timing is never my timing. Can I get an amen? amen? But he always fulfills his promises. Look at Isaiah 55. This is a good one. You should take a picture of this. Or you can text the word notes and it'll be in your phone. It's crazy how we set that up. <clears throat> so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty. That's his promises. Look at this. But it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God's timing is always perfect. 2001, fast forward almost five years, and we had been at that church for about five years and, and just felt like God was still wrestling and stirring up this idea to start a church. And so my pastor said, hey, you need to drive to California 
and see what God's doing. He said, I'm going to give you your salary for a year and a half so you don't have to worry about finances. So we drove to Southern California with a, a wing and a prayer, like God take us somewhere with a spiritual metal detector. Anybody ever heard this story before? If you haven't, you haven't been to the Welcome to Church party, and we're judging you. <laughs> yeah, I know if you haven't. I see your faces. <clears throat> and so we started up in Ventura. I don't know why. Actually, I do know why. It's another story. We started driving down the 405, got to Beach Street in Huntington, turned in towards PCH, drove PCH south, and we're talking through, hey, I think it's South Orange County. I think it's South Orange County. And Jeremy, why don't you guys come on up here so I can hurry up? I got seven minutes left. Jeremy, when they play, I, I preach faster, so that's why they do that. <laughs> we turn left on, Cloud Sh on Crown Valley, and my wife is like, are you sure it's Orange County? Because we're about to move our family again and, and just really jump out of the boat with some faith. And I, s I said, I think, I think so. And as she asked that question, we passed this street called Cloud Street right on Pacific Island Drive in Laguna Niguel. And I did a U-turn in my Toyota Yaris. <laughs> And we got out of the car, and this is what we looked at, Saddleback Valley. And right here in this moment, God said, this is the territory for the movement church. What he was doing right there is giving me a picture of the hope of God. You see, I think God loves it when believers come to church and worship and listen and are inspired, but I think he's distracted by the lost that are not here yet. And this is too big for just us. That's why it's going to take a lot of great people and a lot of great churches. And this valley spreads from Irvine and Tustin down to San Clemente and RSM and Laguna Niguel and Mission Viejo and Cota de Casas just over that hill. And then Aliso Viejo's over here. And we just knew God was giving us a glimpse of the hope of what he wanted us to accomplish. He's chosen me and you to just give hope. And so God was kind of pinpointing these moments saying, hey, I'm still here. Hey, I'm still doing this. In you, And then we planted a church in September of 2012, and we had an amazing launch, but after that it wasn't super sexy. It was a little bit discouraging and disheartening. I went to a, a conference in April of 2012 where God leaned in yet again, and he gave me this heartbeat and this picture that we were going to help other church planters as a church and aggressively finance and resource them. So that we could help change the narrative of their story. That it didn't have to match our story. And God was again revealing some more clarity to my purpose. And this is what God is doing in my life. And I'm telling you he's do doing this in your life. And the reason I know it is because I've gone back and I've written this down. To remind myself of the goodness of faithfulness of God. And I don't know what your story is. But you need to know God is actively at work in your life. Right now, and he has been since the moment you were born, all of that to which culminated in this moment. And I just wonder what God's trying to say to you today. But I want to tell you that this doesn't mean that my life has always been perfect. I wanted to identify a few other things along this journey. In 1989, my family was evicted from my childhood home, which began a seven-year journey of extreme poverty. I can remember an entire month where there were six of us living in a double bedroom hotel called La Quinta. And I'm not talking about the city that you go and spend some time at in a resort. 
We literally ate Captain Crunch cereal for breakfast and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for lunch. And there was a restaurant called Fuddruckers that if a parent bought a burger, kids ate free. They didn't know my parent were going to buy one burger and 18 kids were going to eat for free. It was a dark season in our life. Food stamps, evictions, everything loaded in a car. We're talking about food stamps with paper, not the car that they have now. And no cashier knows how to use food stamps that look like Monopoly money. Hey, we have food stamps right here with the guy with the cut-off sweatpants and his very embarrassed son. Head down. You're buying Dr. Shasta anyways and all the other off-brand. All of you, obviously, you guys have never been in poverty because you did not laugh at Dr. Shasta. <laughs> Marshmallow mateys instead of Lucky Charms. Thanks, rich people. <laughs> Fast forward about 10 years and this was the darkest season of my life. I made choices here that I can never forget. And I thought that that was the end of my calling back in 1985. It was horrible. Which is what led to the extravagant grace that I experienced in 2001. 2005, I wanted to quit on my calling, not my job, but just like quit. Which is kind of crazy because <clears throat> you can get a new job, but you can't get a new calling. And it was external circumstances at this point, it was like, just horrible. So it's interesting, isn't it, how God kind of identifies these moments? I apologize. I was hoping this would be more of a fun sermon. <laughs> I'm not looking at you because I can't control my tears right now. But it's also as if God knew. So we move out to Arizona in 2007, and a month later, Megan's dad passes away. She was... In, in Texas for a month, and it was not a pretty thing. It was a horrible experience. <clears throat> 2012 in January, I uh, was literally riddled with depression and anxiety, and I was pastoring this church. And uh, when I went to that conference in the spring, <clears throat> I went going, God, are we done? Are we done? And so I show you this because I don't know where your bubbles are. Maybe you've lived longer and you can identify more. Maybe your journey is, is shorter so far. But I didn't tell you these stories so that you would be impressed with me, but to impress upon you the goodness of God, that this is the way that he works always speaking and leaning in. But you might be missing it because you haven't gone back to look at the faithfulness of God. Or you may have been putting him into a box that you have no right and no business putting him into and he's been desperately trying to reveal himself to you but you just can't see it because you're looking everywhere else. And I just wonder what your journey is like. And I know that you've got bumps and valleys in there and I know that you have portions of your journey that are probably like me 
with chapters or maybe entire volumes of your life where you would love to get rid of and just incinerate and let no one ever see. But I just know, too, that God is still actively at work in your life. And one of the reasons that he's so actively at work in our life is because he has great plans for us. He's a big God, but look at me. He's calling us to give hope. I wonder how many of you today feel hope for your future and your journey because you've been able to see mine. And I wonder who needs to hear the story of your journey thus far. God is actively at work right now. Right now. He's calling to you today, and he's begging, hey, be a co-laborer with me. As I do work on your story, why don't you help me do work with other people? It's the beauty and the goodness of God. The only application I have for you today is I want to challenge you this week sometime. Go home and write down the things, the story, even if it's just one. Maybe for you it's today. Write down the faithful seasons of God. You can share them with me. I'd love to see them on Facebook or Instagram. You don't have to. You can email me. But I think some of us would do really good to go back and look through the faithfulness of God in our life. How many of you say, you know what? I'm looking for some more faithfulness from God. Would you just raise your hand? Awesome. I want to pray for us and we'll wrap up this service. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? No one looking around. God, we thank you that you're so faithful. We thank you that you care about the great things and the small things and everything in between. God, I just pray that you'd help open our eyes to see how good you are. That you've been in the journey the whole time. You've never leave us, nor you never forsake us, and you always accomplish the things that you've promised. And I just pray that you'd help us to see that now. Not only to identify just the negative, but God, that we begin to identify the positive in your faithfulness in every area and every aspect of our life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Hey, let me talk to some of you today who are here and you haven't started this journey with Jesus. The key contributing factor for me making it through the ups and downs is the fact that I would simply said yes to Jesus. And some of you in here today have not started that journey. Look at me, I'm not talking about church membership or getting your life perfect. There is a moment. It's a moment of surrender. It's like I give up trying to do it on my own and God, I want you to do it from this point forward. And God's removed all the obstacles. It's as simple as just saying yes to him. And if you're here and you've never made that decision, look at me. In a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. I want to challenge you. Just pray it with me in the quietness of your own heart. We're not going to embarrass you or ask you to get out of your seat. But don't let this moment pass. And some of you have been running from God. And today's the day to come running back. Would you pray this with me? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? No one looking around. If that's you and you've never prayed this prayer, or it's time to pray it again for the first time in a long time, just say this with me. Just say, dear God, I know that you're real and that you love me. I know that you've been at work in my life and you're working right now. I'm not perfect, God. Would you forgive me? 
Now just make this statement your own. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.